0: Lights, camera, action.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner, and the matchup we'll be getting into today is 2007's No Country for Old Men versus 2010's Mr Nice. Keenan, how are we doing today?
0: Yeah, not bad, mate. Yep.
1: Not too bad, not too bad. I'll be honest, there wasn't much news of the week this week, or the kind of news there was wasn't really the type that's enjoyable to get into. Um, I don't think we need to go over the Will Smith thing again like every other thing, and talking about Ezra Miller, etc., isn't really our kind of headline. So, what I do have are various headlines related to the cinema from uh, over the years. So, I've got some of the most outlandish. I've got one from around five years ago. A Chinese woman actually sued the cinema for wasting her time, and I wondered what film first came to mind for you if you were to do the same.
0: Bad Mums Two.
1: What's that again? Sorry, you go quite quiet.
0: Oh, Bad Mums Two.
1: Okay, yeah, that's that's probably fair. Um,
0: I assume that's not the answer, though.
1: I actually do, I actually don't know what it was oh, that well. um, that that she. Uh, it was a waste of her
0: time. Yeah. We know the the outcome. I assume she did not win.
1: No, I'm assuming she didn't win either. But kind of the rule I have when I do these, is I don't click past the headlines, so I don't get anything oh, okay. more. Um, a man in Hong Kong was reportedly beaten up outside of a cinema for leaking the Avengers Endgame spoilers.
0: I don't condone it, but I get it. Very You'd be in
1: path. trouble. The amount of spoilers you've seen.
0: No. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. so I was gonna say actually. Yeah, but there's a couple of things recently have been kept well under wraps.
1: Yeah. yeah. People seem to be getting better at it online as well. Like I think there seems to be more of an understanding. Like Game of Thrones time was rife, um, particularly the the middle seasons. It was effectively you were told, look, if you haven't seen it and you see a spoiler, that's your problem, not ours. Whereas now, when I look at things like the Marvel shows that came out, when I look at Spider-Man and things like that, people are getting a lot better with kind of being more respectful, but I don't know how long that'll last. I also
0: don't ever go, I feel like sometimes these people go looking for it. But I feel like they'll search Game of Thrones on Twitter and then there'll be a, there'll be a spoiler. And I am like, well, you, you've you gone looking for it. What do you expect? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's fair.
0: Like I've never, ever done that. If I don't want to know... I, I'm also not, as you are aware, I'm not a great lover of social media at all. No,
1: I uh, tweeted you today and you didn't do anything with it.
0: Oh, I didn't realise you tweeted me? Yeah. Oh, I, like, I don't... I just... I, don't, I check it so infrequently, mate. I just... Sorry. I'll, I'll do so after.
1: Um, all right. I said I was looking forward to talking about uh, this film with you this evening, so here we are, full circle. Okay. You got your wish. Yeah. Uh, Texans eat pickles at the movie theatre, and they're surprised to learn that no one else does. Hmm. I'm very
0: fussy about pickles. I like them, but not all of them.
1: It's weird. I, I like... Well, my favourite type when you get them is um, when they do them kind of like you would get in, like, an American burger where they almost... Um, I don't know the right way to explain it, but it's almost like a crinkle cut, and it just mm-hmm. seems to taste that bit different.
0: Yeah, I do like a crinkle cut. I'm not a great one. at like, 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 you know, you get the little ones. Yeah. Nah, they don't do not do a lot for me.
1: I like them in, like, burgers and things. Like, I don't think I could sit there and eat, like, a jar of pickles, and I'm assuming this is, like... Well, the equivalent I, take, I took it as was, like, you get, like, a box, a tray of nachos at the cinema, which every food they sell at the cinema seems to be just the loudest foods possible. Like, selling bags of Skittles is just outrageous. But getting, like, a tray of pickles or something pre-film is just <laughs> so outrageous. You know, it's not technically...
0: It's not pickles that we're talking about, but it is a pickled food. Do you know what one, one I love, honestly? There's two. One, I love pickled onions. They're just fucking men. Um, but pickled jalapenos.
1: On a burger. Oh. Okay, yeah, yeah. Bringing them into the cinema, though, there's a certain thing, like me and Langston uh, went through a phase where we would go from work, so we would see what we could kind of sneak into the cinema, whether it be a Subway, a McDonald's, whatever. Yeah, this is
0: wild to me. Someone sat there eating a fucking Big Mac whilst I'm trying to watch the film. It <laughs> is ridiculous. Well,
1: the weird thing is as well, it does seem to taste nicer if you wait till the film started. Like, I, I don't know if it's uh, the, the crime element to it. Like, you shouldn't really be doing this.
0: They're um, not as cold by
1: any for at McDonald's. Uh, it depends really how well you kind of wrap it up in your bag. But for the most part, I would be conscious to not get something that stank. Or, I mean, I wouldn't do that if I was going to see like the new Avengers film. If I'm oh. doing that, it was for something where there's like there's going to be like 10 people in the show in at half four on a Tuesday.
0: No, I get that. Someone asked me the other day whilst I was at work if they if they thought it, if I thought it was a good idea if they warmed up anchovy pizza. I don't know what well,
1: I'm going to tell you, um, dried sardines are a common cinema snack in Japan.
0: That's fucking disgraceful.
1: <laughs> that, yeah. I just sat behind someone with that. There. You want neutral? You want
0: neutral smelling food? You don't, you don't want
1: that.
0: That's no. Not, I actually think those hot. Like, this is basically cinema. When I say are cinema, but the hot dogs they sell fucking stink as well
1: yeah that's wild to me because especially like the cinemas in gloucester or cheltenham there's like so many food places around there where you could go and pay the same price for better food so
0: much better and more
1: like
0: i suppose it like it's almost i'm sorry so that and popcorn They're the two things i think like yes. that is a reasonably in the eye, or for me anyway like it's relatively new like it's not but it is if it makes sense like uh, 15 years ago i weren't going to cinema getting nachos no no but 10 years ago i probably was but what i think of going to a cinema i think about being a kid and then for that is that's hot dogs and
1: popcorn used to be a so, sneak sneak a little bag of pick and mixing when we were younger
0: popcorn honestly unreal
1: um and <laughs> the final headline is uh a man who was apparently unimpressed by 3d was caught injecting heroin into his scrotum during a film hmm.
0: how you would say he did it because he was unimpressed by the 3d
1: that's i mean that's what the headline told me i don't know if maybe thought the trip or what i've been mean, i've not been on that to be able to profess to know how it feels and i hope to never be no. <laughs> never be able to answer that question um but maybe he thought it would enhance the experience. But I don't know how much you have to be chasing a buzz to be doing that.
0: Oh, I would suggest it. The re- where he's uh, obje- if he's injecting there, he's probably quite far down the line of, of his addiction.
1: Yeah, well, we, we had on um, Monday's episode with News of the Week there was a guy um, who injected cocaine into his Johnson and it turned black.
0: Yeah, and we it were saying who, like. It fell off?
1: Christ, yeah, we didn't know the ending, but we were saying like <laughs> at, at what point have you like reached the top of the mountain where you're like, I need to get higher than that, where that is the is the path you turn. Yeah,
0: there was a guy who did it, I don't know if it's the same guy, but I once read there was a guy who did it, so he thought it would improve it would improve his experience in bed. Not his performance, just his experience. <laughs> right. He did not because his cock rotted and it it turned gangrenous.
1: Blimey.
0: Um and he ended up losing it.
1: That's one of those decisions like you've definitely made whilst you've got a rock on, where like the decision making has just gone out the window. But even then, I would think that decision doesn't go. That that decision doesn't make it through.
0: I feel like it was premeditated. I feel like he thought about it before. (laughs) I think about (laughs) a lot of things. She's
1: even more wild.
0: I've never thought about that.
1: No. Well, anyway, let's get into No Country for Old Men. America's critics agree, the most exciting movie of the year has arrived. Call it. There's no movie more eye popping No movie more mind-blowing. Can't stop what's coming. No movie more spellbinding. You know how this is going to turn out, don't you? Nope. I think you do. And no country for old men. Rated R. Now playing. 2007 this film came out violence and mayhem ensue when a hunter stumbles upon a drug deal gone wrong and more than 2 million dollars in cash near the Rio Grande before I actually ask you what you think the critics thought of this I actually want to know up front what you think of this
0: I like this film Um, not as much as other people like this film because so I think in places it's a little bit slow. And very Coen Brothers-esque.
1: But yeah.
0: I do like certain parts about it.
1: I think you're somewhat of an outlier. And not in the sense that you're downplaying it, upplaying it. It's that the reaction I tend to see is either completely in one camp or completely in the other camp. Like it's rare to find someone that's kind of warm on it
0: i get that yeah no i get that i don't i do like Like i say i know i don't like this film as much as other people like it i think it's got its moments but i do think in certain places in certain places it's fairly slow and it's just one of them we'll get on to
1: the ending the ending is one of those where where the people were maybe on the edge and the end was like it just ticked them off anytime you hear dream in like the last sentence of a film people just lose their heads Mm, I get that. But, no, I, I do think it's a brilliant film. Um, had very, so I had major expectations going in, but very little clue of kind of what I was letting myself into.
0: Yeah, I get what you mean. It's, hard, it's, a, it's a hard film to describe.
1: Yeah, I'm sure you can guess what the critics think of this.
0: Yeah, I assume this will be right up there.
1: I can tell you the two films today have quite different critics' reviews. Uh, The two-hour runtime flies by as the Coens shame bloated blockbusters with sheer craft. Relentless in method, challenging in presentation and unforgettable in execution. This is some of Brolin's best work to date though the film still belongs to Bardem and Jones, whose low-key mannerisms are well-suited to the Coen's sensibilities. I'm going to ask you about that when we finish, who you think uh, wins the film. Um, What makes this such a standout is hard to put your finger on. It just feels like an absorbing and tent two hours where everyone is absolutely on top of their job and a comfortable fit in their roles. And finally... Hitchcock couldn't have done the suspense better. So, pretty glowing reviews.
0: Mm.
1: I think it won, what was it like? It was at least nominated. It may even have won like eight Oscars and people were still saying like it could have won more.
0: Oh, it won quite, it won a lot.
1: I'm pretty sure it's eight.
0: I don't know the exact number, but I do know it won. I'm pretty sure
1: that's what I saw this morning. Okay. All right, the trivia, if I kind of go through some of it, and I'm sure A1, it'll A1, it will take
0: us. It one four, by the
1: way. Okay, must have been nominated for eight, was that? Oh, I don't know. Just Okay. One four. Um, I think this will take us on a few different paths. So if we start off with um, Javier Bardem. So according to a January 2018 article in the Business Insider, a group of psychiatrists studied 400 movies and identified 126 psychopathic characters. They chose Javier Bardem's portrayal of uh, Anton Shigur as the most clinically accurate portrayal of a psychopath.
0: It's the dead eyes. That's what sells
1: it. Yeah, it's it is a it's a brilliant brilliant character. Um, the main thing that's actually done is make me want to read the book because I, as far as I've read. It's one of the most accurate kind of book to film adaptions that you can possibly find. And you can only imagine that because they've had to cut some things out here, I imagine he's probably even more menacing in the book. Mm. Do you know the trivia about Josh Brolin's audition tape? I do not. So he was working on Grindhouse at the time mm. when he was drawn to the role of Moss in this film. Yeah. He asked Robert Rodriguez if he could borrow a camera for his audition tape and he actually ended up having it elaborately shot with a theatrical camera that they were using with um, Tarantino directing him. <laughs> um, when the Coen's saw the tape, uh, Brolin asked them what they thought and their response was that they loved the lighting. They, they <laughs> It was different to any audition tape they'd seen previously. So... That was something they were pretty stunned by. Right.
0: <laughs> okay. I was just was then that took a tail like a twist at the end that I didn't think it would.
1: No, but Taryn, in the middle of a film, telling two other filmmakers that oh, I really want to get this other part, and them just being completely on board and go absolutely let <laughs> let's do this for you. Um, Quentin
0: oh, Tarantino, great guy.
1: Yeah, I'm Rodriguez. Uh, Bardem became the first actor to win Best Actor in a Supporting Role. Um, just the first part there. Are you shocked it the supporting role that he was nominated for? No, no, I,
0: that's that's exactly where he should be.
1: Okay, well he won the supporting role um, at the Academy Awards. He won. At the Screen Actors Guild Awards, the BAFTAs, the Golden Globe Awards, and the Critics' Choice Awards, all for his role in this film. And he's the first actor to win kind of the clean sweep there.
0: Mm-hmm. Fair play. No. That's class.
1: His weapon, if you wanted the specifics, is a captive bolt pistol, which is commonly used to stun cows before slaughtering them without the risk of flying bullets.
0: Yeah. Also, um, What's the word I'm trying to say? It's also, uh, it stops um ricochet, uh, shrapnel, t- uh, contaminating the meat. Oh,
1: there we go. So, Heath Ledger had been in talks to play Llewellyn Moss. He withdrew to take some time off instead. And within that time off, he ends up accepting the role as the Joker in The Dark Knight. Hmm. And so he then ends up following Bardem and getting the Best Actor in a Supporting Role award a year later. So it worked yep. out quite well.
0: Well, I mean,
1: did obviously it? didn't end up well for him, but he yeah. took he took the right role. Yeah, fair enough. Him, I, I think he would do would have done a good Llewellyn Moss. It's hard to picture anyone other than Josh Brolin doing this now that you've seen it. And it does feel right, um, the character that he plays. But this isn't one of those where you kind of turn your nose up and you're like, no, I can't see that.
0: No, I agree. I think he would have done. I think he would have done a very good job. I think he was. It was an incredibly talented, t- incredibly talented actor.
1: Yeah. A slight curveball here. James Franco read for the role of Llewellyn.
0: Yeah. Thank fuck I didn't give it to him. <laughs>
1: And Mark Strong auditioned for the role of um, Anton Chigurh and got down to the last two spots. So apparently there was a, about a weekend where he'd got a call to say, look, Bardem's dropped out, scheduling issues, you're in. And then I had to get a call on the Monday. And go, Sorry, uh, bad news here. You're not going to be in this Coen Brothers anticipated epic. We do actually have our number one choice.
0: Do you know what the next film? Do, you know what, what do you know what he did instead? No. Do you have a look? Oh, it's just, just interesting to know
1: around this time what he So, 2007.
0: Uh, what did he do in 2007? I do like Mark Strong, it has to be said. Filmography. He was in two films in 2007.
1: Yeah, neither of them are this, are they?
0: No, and did he do any telework? He was the narrator of Who Do You Think You Are on the BBC.
1: Well, that's probably making it worse, because that means the first two films probably weren't paying the bills.
0: Yeah, he was... Uh... Yeah, I just had a look. He wasn't doing anything on radio or on stage, so he missed out on this, and instead probably did one of sunshine i don't know what that is oh it's a danny boyle thing
1: isn't it? yeah is it not the one yeah it's <clears> Murphy, isn't <throat> it where the, i'm pretty sure he goes into space i'm pretty sure it's one of those like if we don't cover up the sun within this time then the earth is gonna like <laughs> one of them
0: uh he did a, uh, he did stardust
1: and that was a kids' film that they anticipated to do better, I believe.
0: Yes, I mean, he got the chance. Whether I don't, I've never seen it, so I don't know if he shares any scenes with him or I how, how even know much she's in it. But he uh, got the chance to share a screen, share a film with Peter O'Toole, which is obviously amazing. Michelle Pfeiffer and and Bobby Doe.
1: Could have been worse.
0: Yeah, I, again, I don't know if they're even in any scenes together. I've never seen the film, mate, but. Just, I mean, as things go, as a yeah, cast list, yeah. pr- pretty good.
1: Um, And just finally, this was the third lowest grossing Oscar winner ever, mm. behind Crash and The Hurt Locker. Mm. Fair enough. The Hurt, the Hurt Locker one surprised me, because that has all of the looks of just being a film that would just smash it in America. I have never seen The Hurt Locker. Nor have I. Um, but it just has that feel about it.
0: I get you. I've seen And there was, was a lot to... of
1: hype around at the time as well. So
0: was, uh, didn't Catherine Bigelow become the first woman to win the Best Director Oscar?
1: I don't. I don't know. You're, you're educating me. Yeah?
0: I don't know. I'm asking. I don't know. If she, I'm sure she won it for her okay. Maybe it won Best Picture, and she was nominated. There
1: we go. Um, I don't know. I... If we talk about the film in general and then we'll talk about kind of the individual characters i think one of the really interesting things about this is that at its core no country for old men is a really straightforward story and does a very good job of keeping it to that guy finds money guy takes money bad guys want money back and so you've got this film that's shot as kind of artistically as it is It's got the star power that it has, and I don't think it's pretentious, but it would certainly be labelled that way by some people because of the Tommy Lee Jones monologues. So for it to only be two hours, when I finally went to watch this, I just kind of assumed it was going to be one of them that's like two and a half plus. I thought there was going to be far more filler. I know when they were shooting the film for this they got about two hundred and fifty thousand feet of film <clears throat> and they say that usually for like a f- standard film of this length you'd have about triple that mm. like there was just nothing wasted like they knew exactly what they were doing They actually knew what exactly what they were getting in there was very little room for like improvisation or anything like that like what they wanted was what they got
0: yeah I can see that.
1: If we look at the characters now, if I ask you now, who who do you think is the real star of the film? So,
0: odd because I just told him and he said he's a supporting actor, but I think when I think of this film, You think of you, you you think of Javier Bardem.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah. I do think which is strange, is there any other What
1: Well Tommy really? Lee Jones is Bill's highest on the film. And I think he's supposed well, I think the whole point of it is we find out at the point when Josh Brolin dies is that he was never our main protagonist. No. And that's what we kind of get to at the end. And it's why there's some people have issues with the ending of the film. I, get that. I, I they, sort of get that. Yeah, because people point out, and the argument is that we didn't really get a resolution. And both the author and the filmmakers would argue, no, we did get a resolution. It just wasn't what you wanted the resolution for. We yeah. got the resolution for Bell because he, he understands his heart isn't in being in law enforcement anymore he's too old for it and he doesn't want to risk his life which is something he mentions earlier in the film that you kind of have to accept that you're probably going to lose your life on the job Yeah. so it's it's very interesting because in that sense Tommy Lee Jones should be the star of the film but I agree with you if I think of this film I think of Xavier Bardem flipping a coin yeah I think what is interesting is that we do hear the words of Tommy Lee Jones first. Zed Tom Bell, we hear him at the end, and effectively the film is driven by his moods, the way he gets about. But even even still, after all I've said, it does. I don't think it feels like. He's the main protagonist. I don't think you have any real feeling towards him. Certainly not in the way that you do towards Josh Brolin. So it's very strange the way you feel towards those two characters.
0: Yeah. No, I I do agree. Um, but it, it, I I don't know. It's strange. It's I mean, but as you say, the moment you the moment that you Josh Brolin dies, that's what, is when it clicks. And I mean, that's yeah. a fair way. It is a fair way into the film. So, which I think would also probably, it's obviously why, because it's so far into the film, it's why it impacts people's opinion of the ending so much.
1: Yeah, and now, as I said, I've not read the book, but I've been kind of reading people's opinions and their comparisons. Mm. And they say in the book, it's exactly like it is in the film. So people, when they're reading it, find themselves flicking back a page to see what they've missed, because just out of nowhere, just, he's a dead body. Like... Mm. Yeah, it's it's that simple to them and I've seen there's all sorts of interpretations about the film and what it stands to show and on the poster there was some iteration of effectively saying all actions have consequences Hmm. so it probably is pretty easy to break it down like that you've got a bad guy in uh, Shiger you've got the good guy in bell and you've got
0: the good is an odd term he's the
1: he's the moral standing point in the film isn't he he's the guy that's trying to find justice and then you've kind of relate to the guy in the middle mm,
0: i suppose so i don't know if i've ever really considered him the good guy
1: of this film well i i didn't until i'm just kind of seeing how people interpret the film and that was then how i took it and when you look at the poster and the billing and just him at the end is who we're supposed to be kind of feeling the emotion towards um should we question his effectiveness as a policeman it's not great is it i mean (laughs) he effectively takes no useful action his efforts don't count for anything no and then he just decides he just decides he's had enough
0: yeah well he decides he's had enough fairly like a, a lot earlier than sort of you, you thought a lot earlier as you see and then it goes obviously through the last couple of scenes
1: yeah the point um, i think you're supposed to realize is when he goes into the room and he has the question as to whether Shigure is going to be on the other side of the door ready to take him out and then at the point when he is safe but Maybe questions he wasn't ready to die, then he hands his badge in.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't blame them.
1: No, no, no. (laughs) Um, But I mean, it takes place over the space of about a few weeks, we're led to believe. Yeah. There was no masterminds involved in this. Like, there was no one covering their tracks. There was no one doing anything particularly difficult. I mean, they were moving from motel to motel and leaving a trail of blood behind them. I do have to question if maybe off screen his bosses have said you can either you can either go or we'll push you like a mutual <laughs> termination. Because this guy just was not just awful. <laughs> yeah. Synod.
0: So the other thing about this is it's not, it's not unique. It's, it's relative. It's fairly unique, I should say. Um, but like you say, there's no mastermind. There's no big, powerful organization. You know, you're led to believe obviously the drug deal, but you don't encounter. You know, you don't really encounter a like the cartel or whatever it might be that are behind it. It is just.
1: Well, you see them. They're in the room, and Shagur ends up taking them out. And I didn't recognise that the first time, but I did the second time around that those guys are there to take out Llewellyn and he kind mm-hmm. of gets there first. Um, yeah, but
0: there's no, that's not like a long, it's not a very particularly long scene. They're, no, so I know like anyone else that gets wiped out in this film, it's yeah, quickly yeah, efficient.
1: yeah, for sure. Sorry, I thought you were saying that we didn't kind of see the guys that were involved.
0: No, no, but you don't see like in so many other films like this. You know, you meet the mob boss, you meet the cartel leader, yeah. you yeah. meet the. Lo- this is a This is just bounty like hunter and hunter,
1: isn't it? And as you
0: say, Tommy Lee Jones is just caught in the middle. Well,
1: he, there's a quote in. There's a quote in here where he references uh, looking over his shoulder and plenty of people being after him, and I think it's Tommy Lee Jones in there that says. That that's vanity and he says something along the lines of like the world doesn't revolve around you mm. and i guess that might be the point in why we don't see these bosses because this is just another thing for them like yeah this is fair just point. like a day in the life yeah fair point fair i
0: absolutely.
1: do know also um in in the text there's far more subplots with the cartel mm. but because they didn't want to make a five-hour-long film, they did Definitely. streamline it, and this was the best way to really show all the characters, have the development, yeah, and then you kind of got what you needed from the cartel guys.
0: No, that's fair, and like, it's not, like, no, it's not a criticism of the film. Man. No, 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 it's just a case of it's in so many, of, even in a film like this, you've got a five-minute scene of Sugar getting orders from someone to join. You know mean?
1: Yeah, what do you think of Tommy Lee Jones as a cop? I've, I think it's one of them. Is, he's perfectly believable in the role.
0: Mm, I love him in the Fugitive.
1: Yeah, he's very different in this, isn't it? Yeah. If it was his character from the Fugitive, he's he's tracking There's him result. down and he's he's yeah. taking him out. Actually, he wouldn't result. he'd arrest him and put him in the back of a car? That was my issue with the Fugitive.
0: There would be results. They would, they would have been found.
1: Yeah. Um, they, def- plays, they definitely would have been found.
0: He plays a police officer. An awful lot.
1: Yeah. I mean, Woody Harrelson's character literally says like, it took me three hours to find you. Hmm. And the law enforcement <laughs> just apparently are, are that far behind. And they have a, a bigger trail of evidence than he does. Yeah. well, oh, I'm no. He's not waiting around in diners all day. <laughs>
0: exactly. you got to do your work
1: right from the start of the film so we're attached to llewellyn josh brolin's character from early and you do have i think you're supposed to ask yourself that question okay i find this money in the middle of kind of all of this you know nothing good comes from it but you question don't you will i take the money would i leave it and in this case Llewellyn does what a lot of people would do and he takes the cash. Do you two, have that in you?
0: Two mil taking it, yeah.
1: And you just accept the consequences or you don't think of the consequences in the moment?
0: Would not even enter my head.
1: <laughs> well, not even when you've you've seen the, the the trail of dead Mexicans behind you.
0: Yeah, but do you just think, oh look, no one They no all killed each, each
1: other off and you're alright.
0: He doesn't, obviously, you don't consider as he's picking it up that there's going to be a, tra- a tracer in the a
1: tracking device. No, in the no. Money. no.
0: If, that, if that isn't there, he's away scot-free, and that would be my thought process.
1: Okay. Yeah, I get, I get what after, you're saying.
0: After, should this happen to me next week, having re this film, I will take it out of its original vessel and put it into another bag or slash suitcase as <laughs> soon as possible.
1: So it's part of the reason, because... We don't get any backstory from Llewellyn. Uh, I know a greater theme in the book is that all of these people serve time in Vietnam, and perhaps that influences why they make the decisions that they do make. Yeah. Um, him here, we don't know much about him, but we see that he has some kind of skills just in the way where uh, he's very careful with his rifle. Um, he, takes the, he takes the shade. Or he looks for the shade, sorry, because he works out that's where the guy is going to be the way he approaches it, the patience he shows in the fact that he's never kind of ragged in his action. Mm. But I think the reason we really actually warm to him is the fact that we do see his wife and the fact that she's worried about him does bring actually a shred of humanity to him rather than just being a guy that very quickly finds some money, picks it up and is on the run.
0: Um, I I didn't think about that when I was watching it. Funnily enough, but in, I, terms, of, in terms of warming to him,
1: no. But there must be a thing because we've seen films before. Um, we've seen films within this bracket where you perhaps you're invested in the storyline, but if that guy dies, like fair enough. I okay, whatever happens happens. Um, a different type of film, but I would say. Run all night maybe is the first one that comes into my head, and it's not that I wanted him dead, but if the son in that film had been wiped out, I'd have felt far better about it than when Brolin gets iced in this. And I don't know if you seeing a bit of that side, because she's kind of the angel in the film. She doesn't do anything wrong. She's just trying to help her husband out. And so perhaps the kind of double jeopardy of if he dies, one, she's going to be in trouble, and two, she's going to be upset does help you subconsciously warm to the character.
0: Hmm. Maybe, maybe.
1: You didn't have to have a man on fire, 45 minute. Hey, look, this a really nice guy here. Trust me, this is a really nice guy. and Make sure you bear this in mind for the next part of the film. No,
0: I'm very glad that there wasn't the, the 45 minute build up.
1: No. us start strong, this film. Yeah, yeah. The we we've spoken before about splitting films up and it's not something that we like to do but we have done it previously yeah. um this is one where kind of like everest the last uh well previous josh brolin film we've done i think you could do a clean split in this and it is almost like two different films in a way mm. Where would you split it i would probably split i don't know how early in the first monologue is from tommy lee jones mm. Probably split it after the hotel, the motel, maybe where they've had the shootout. Oh, okay. And I don't know how how far in that is, but I think that's the pinnacle of um, tension in the film.
0: Yeah. I don't know how far that is is in actually, mate.
1: To be honest. Uh, some of the some of the shots we do get in 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 the build up to this just. The wide shots we get at the start just kind of showing the environment we're in i loved the shots where you've got Shiger looking at himself in the reflection of the tv in the house they've abandoned and then yeah. you get the policeman in after and you see the same reflection i feel this is one of those films kind of like uh we did with the godfather etc where i think you could there's so many things you could speak about here so i'm sure I mean, I don't want to jump ahead, but I think we may have an opportunity to speak about this one again. Um, Presumptuous. Well, the coin flip scene, if we can jump to that. Mm. We've seen... We've seen Bardem kill at this point. So yeah. we know the man that we're dealing with. And as a guy who has such a small role in this film, I think the old man is brilliant in in this scene. Like He's so good. And he goes on to be, he's in The Hateful Eight, um, which you may recognise him from, where he has a slightly bigger role. Oh, so he is. Um, But him in this, just, I don't know. Bardem, with no backstory that we get on him, he's like... He's like a T1000, isn't he? Where he has oh, that air of invincibility before we even see him take a hit.
0: Oh no, I thought you, I was gonna go elsewhere with the T1000. Like he's there to do a job, that's,
1: yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely.
0: Like it just, the job is the job It is the job, and it just keeps he just keeps on trucking through and trucking through and trucking through. But
1: like in this scene, what the 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 first real. I think it's within the first two lines he says to um the guy at the gas station. He says something along the lines of uh Weather bad on the way down here, I noticed you've come from Dallas. He mm. says, What business is it of yours where I've come from? And instantly the guy behind the tail's like This this is not the guy. Yeah.
0: Very, then- very apparent that he is not not is not to be trifled with.
1: No, I mean we spoke about them really not wasting like a minute in this film with kind of the, the shots and what they did. He doesn't waste a word in this scene or ever really. No, he doesn't it's waste a word. It's just so way. direct. And so then you've got he got in the pardon pardon as he realizes in what a terrifying blokes we stood opposite.
0: Yeah. Like as the time the shot closes. It just always looks big in this film.
1: <laughs> yeah he apparently complained when they kind of told him the haircut that he was going to have, he responded and said, well, that's me not getting laid for two months. And the Coen's reportedly then said, well, that's, this is what, this is what we want then. Um, I do also have to question, this guy should have been easier to find. Like if that guy in the gas station speaks to the police and says, look, this guy came in threatening me, uh, He's got this really weird dark haircut. Can you see if you can find this guy? But I think he should be easy to track down.
0: But. So, yeah, if the police have a decent sketch artist, he becomes very easy to find. Yeah. He's not exactly blending into a crowd, is he, our, our boy?
1: No. That toss of the coin moment. He. How do you think he he dealt with it? Because he puts it off for a while. And I'd like to know what you call, would you call heads or tails? Heads. I would too, so we'd we'd have been safe. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's always heads.
1: The point at which he says, That's your lucky quarter. Well, don't put it in your pocket. And he says well, where do you want me to put it? At that point, I'm pulling my hair out because this isn't a guy you argue back with. You've just taken a deep breath because you survived this situation. Just from hearing him speak, you've picked up on the gravity of what could happen here. If he says don't put it in your pocket, put say your you're pocket. putting it somewhere special. Say you're getting it framed. Mm. Just get this guy out of your shop. <laughs> Why are you questioning this man? It's a valid question though Where else is he supposed To fucking put it Put it on the mantle Or something Yeah but in
0: that Immediate moment He's, got to carry it. he's not going to be Driving with it In his palm is he He can put it
1: next To the till mm. Just put it somewhere So you can say Look it's safe
0: Yeah I suppose so
1: Would you be able To sleep that night After he's asked you Is, no. it, is that where you live Out the back
0: <laughs> no, What no.
1: time do you go to bed
0: I move <laughs> Yeah I'm selling up, take the shop. take a lot, I'll see you in a bit, I'm gone.
1: The the offence he takes when he hears that he's married into the property. <laughs> so you're married into it, and he's like, oh yeah, I guess you would. And he's like, well, you don't guess about it, like, <laughs> you, you, you did. And he's just livid at that.
0: Some guys have all their luck though, don't they?
1: Yeah, I suppose so. Does it say anything about it? So there's a lot that people read into this coin toss and we get two of them in the film. Is it just, like she says at the finale of the film, you're going to do what you want to do, don't put it on the coin? Or there's some that say, kind of, he believes he's faked, he believes whatever happens, happens, so tossing the coin... Her point
0: point about it is what does he say don't blame it she don't blame it on luck or something make a decision
1: well yeah she she says um don't don't play the coin um yeah it's you making the decision
0: yeah well i mean in fairness he does follow through when he flips the coin so when when the, when, the, when your man lives he lives so it's not him making it he does leave it to the coin this is the only thing about that
1: i understand her, her or is it that he he was always he was always going to save him or if he got it, if he got it right, then maybe he was going to kill him anyway. I guess is her argument.
0: No, I understand that, but you, we, we have no, as, a, as an audience and you know, an interpretation of you have no basis for that because you'll see him flip the coin twice, or sorry, come to it, and the guy gets the guy gets away with it, so he does actually leave it to the actions of.
1: I know a a big theme with him, and you can kind of see it in the film with the actions he takes, where he kind of brushes he kind of brushes everything off. <laughs> and in the book, where fate is a really big thing for him. Mm. And so it could be that he kind of does believe, yeah, if the coin says you're going to die, you're going to die. But hell of a way to uh, determine things.
0: Mm.
1: That motel scene is equally as tense, if not more tense, than the gas station where you've got Josh Brolin sat on the bed. He's got the acceptance of what's going to happen. The lights go out. You see the, foot, the feet under the door. And you're just kind of ready. And that seems to last a lifetime. Whether you knew this before, whether it occurred to you, did you think anything of the fact that there's no music in this film?
0: No, it didn't even occur to me, to be
1: honest. Because usually the way to build suspense, isn't it, is you do that through the soundtrack and you ramp it up right before you get to that climax. But I think it works so well, the fact... that is a
0: great suspense builder.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. That moment of just him sat there in front of the door,
0: despite the fact... it's, it's It's harder to achieve. It's easier to achieve it with music. Because everyone's
1: yeah. used to suspense when use it. But silence is
0: an unbelievable suspense. Oh, yeah. Well, People get know.
1: uncomfortable in silence. Yeah. And I get, we, we know already what he does in that he shoots the lock out of the doors. And we've just got Josh Brolin just sat front and centre in front of this door frame. Waiting. I don't know if he thought he was going to slowly open the door and then just be able to, like, go straight through him like he's... Uh, camping playing zombies or cod or whatever but i've got to think sitting right in front of a door when a guy you assume has a gun it's probably not the best way to do it
0: no 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 correct
1: I, i've read also that a big thing about this and it, it makes perfect sense is kind of space in this film in that They always give you a shot to show you the surroundings. And so right at the start, you've got kind of the shots of, look, this guy who's escaped with the money could be anywhere. And then you get the shots of the trees. And they do a good job in that motel scene of really showing you up the stairs, the distance he has to take. They show you the window. They show you kind of down because he looks out the window. So you're very well aware of the surroundings and I think that does then make it more claustrophobic at the end when he's kind of chasing after him and you've got the gunfight. Because everything does feel so contained.
0: Yeah, yeah, I get that,
1: yeah. I suppose it shows you tight shots, doesn't it? So it's Yeah. Mm, yeah, nice. Nice, I like it. Just that. Just that moment when he comes through the door, dives out the window, and then feel I want the window it. dive. I watched it again on, on YouTube earlier and, and the clip I saw, it was titled uh, The Most the most Suspenseful Seven Minutes in Cinema History. Now, I'm not sure I agree with that. Yeah. But it's certainly, I, I think if, and I don't know how big the bracket would be, but I think it's in the conversation, just the way that it is done. Because we do... This This is like a rookie driving at LeBron James like we've not seen this guy show any sign of weakness Mm. and when he loops back around to effectively say I need to take you out because I can't have you you can't have you tailing me it is brilliant in fact it's only seven minutes from him picking up the phone in the motel to call the reception desk to Bardem running away is crazy. Yeah, fair. I do feel slightly bad. The guy whose car he runs and gets into is is iced just for stopping and he doesn't pay him a second look. No. It's no more significant than like when Godzilla stamps on six people as he runs down the street. Like that guy. Well, look, I appreciate you stopping, but no real care for you. Kick your body out of the car, carry on driving away.
0: Yeah, that's, that I'd like say that was very, very much it.
1: Yeah, it's mad. unstoppable force. The the point at which he does catch him and you see he's wounded. It's like something out of like a Harry Potter or a Star Wars film or something like that or even like as we said a Terminator film where they've hit them with 50 shots or whatever and then it clicks in their head this weakness that was right in front of them and then suddenly they're able to do damage and that's kind of the turning point in the film but really this guy takes damage, brushes it off and he's just right back to business. Yeah. But it does well, feel that's a that's huge it. moment, doesn't it? When he has yeah. him on the back foot. Yes, yes, it does. It's.
0: It, do you enjoy... well, see, it, it. Terminator is the perfect example of it, but Terminator 2. A moment where yes. he's finally vulnerable for a second, and it's like, oh, maybe. And then he just comes roaring straight yeah. back.
1: Yeah, because those shots, I think, are always always great in films just to show that the character is human where they effectively just show them kind of tending to their wounds. Mm. And I mean, before we get to that, we do have him setting a car on fire, walking through into the pharmacy, picking up what he needs, like one of the coolest shots that we see in the film. But then we go back and it's him wincing as he's stood naked over the bath, extracting pieces of fragment from his leg and whatever else mm. it's just a, a, a great series again because I think the silence helps with that again we're literally just left with the sound of him wincing and the, yes. the scissors and things
0: yeah no music no music's required over that the little ching or the like sh- the scissors again it's silence just builds on people or just makes people uncomfortable it's going yeah. like that it works perfectly
1: and then the, the character of Woody Harrelson effectively mm. gives you maybe a slight bit of hope that there's someone else out there that's going to deal with this guy and facilitate a path for Josh Brolin to get away, get back to his mm. wife and they got two million. Yeah. And then all he really serves to do, I think he has about 12 minutes of screen time. He comes in, he paints a picture, kind of John Wick style, where he tells enough little stories or enough little sayings to really even hype up the guy even more
0: yeah
1: what does he call him a psychopathic a psychotic killer he's not a guy with a sense of humor Uh, he says something like you saw him and you're still alive that's like a big thing and so then when he's taken out it i don't know it's like in a, a standard action film where the police arrive at the scene almost and it's like half an hour into the film and you're like, well, the police aren't just going to come in and arrest this guy. (laughs) And they send the guy to the door and he's like, look, there's no problem. You can go away now. And then the police turn or the police are corrupt or whatever it is. But it's just another notion to say, yeah, it's not going to be that easy.
0: Yeah, it's the law and order. It's the law law and order process. Yeah. (laughs) It's just so good. The the first guy who gets in, you know he's not the guy.
1: Yeah. When... When he gets taken out and Llewellyn calls him and asks if he's there and he says, um, not in the sense that you're referring to, it's just so good when he, he takes a little turn to look at the body. And mm. says that. And it's, what, about 10 minutes after he said, look, this guy doesn't have a sense of humour. And I think that's intentional, but it's, it's just so, so well done because it just is psychotic. He's having a completely normal conversation with a dead body about three feet from him yeah
0: again so psychotic is probably the best word is the probably the best word for the character
1: yeah um just got two more things to talk about i don't want to talk about um the uh, the ultimate end of kind of josh brolin mm. and um the ending of the film or uh, the ending of uh bardem in the film i should say but when he takes out the cartel members you've got the two he takes out early, one guy's arm flies off. (laughs) That guy kind of peeking around the shower curtain, being seen and thinking if he just goes back behind, maybe he won't see me. I hope in that moment.
0: You've got to try anything in that moment, (laughs) right?
1: But he pulls the shower like it's an invisibility cloak. What else can he do? Yeah, not a lot. I mean, maybe he looks at the guy and it's like, yeah, there is no point in me even fighting this. Just kind of, (laughs) Look. <laughs> I had a good run
0: I would say I don't know why they do it because he's a fairly big guy he's not massive in this film like, like even though it was rewatching, he just seems like a joint I
1: don't know if that's just the aura or I think or... it is to be honest because it's one of them where he'd actually be less intimidating if he was packed with muscle wouldn't he like yes. the whole thing is, it's like when the skinny guy steps to the big guy, it's like, what do you know that we don't? And so in this, just, yeah, I think it's the energy around him, to be honest, and they do often shoot him where he's at least on a level with someone. It's never someone standing over him.
0: I did wonder if they did did that, and if they did, did they actually do it, i.e. intentionally, and they would change angles, etc., or if it just happened to, it seems unlikely to happen to be the case, but Javier Bardem is a fairly sizable, fairly sizable guy, so...
1: And a lot of it, to be fair, um, they've got the kind of artistic shots that we've spoken about. But when it comes to uh, like the conversations, it, it's it's very usually just over the shoulder of each of them. Like the shot in when it's them in the motel and they're tossing the coin, you've literally just got the one guy's face, the other guy's face, the one guy's face, the other guy's face.
0: Yeah. So Yeah, they're back and forth. Like, I don't know. It works. It works sometimes. sometimes so, yeah,
1: you never sense. see them looking inferior. And to that point yeah. in the film, as you said, we've we've never seen him... Want
0: him for anything. Or, or yeah. wanting, wanting, basically.
1: It's kind of like once we've seen him take that bullet and come back from it, it's like a heavyweight champion on the rise where you're always asked, like, can they take a punch? And then once they take the punch, it's like, okay, like this is a scary guy <laughs> because he can dish it out and he can take it.
0: Yes, and he can very much
1: dish
0: it out. Yes, the other thing, not like yeah, it's it's very extreme.
1: Yeah, it's he he's a brilliant villain. I think if we were to ever compile a list, um, I'm not sure he'd be the first guy I would think of. But as soon as someone mentions him, it would be like okay, I think if we were doing kind of an order, I think we'd be surprised about how high he would end up.
0: Well, I think that study that you referred to in the trivia sort of says that thought, yeah, though. yeah. No, not Yeah, yeah. Not to be sarcastic, I agree with you. I think he wouldn't wouldn't be your number one thought, but then if you wrote down ten names and you were trying to order them, for example, you'd probably keep finding a way to bump yeah, him up and bump yeah. him up and bump him up sort of
1: thing. Yeah, for sure. Um. So Josh, Josh Broly, in the end, that he does come to in this film... He references it at one point that he kind of can't take his eye off the ball for a second. Ultimately, he does. He's kind of chilling around by the pool. He's not staying in his room. He's not staying out of sight, as he's done for the whole rest of the film. He thinks he's going to meet his wife and they're just going to have this great getaway.
0: Yeah.
1: And then, yeah, you're just kind of left feeling empty in the moment because everything that you've known about this film...
0: It's the stroll. That kills me. Like, I do. I don't know. Do I like it? Part of me likes it. Part of me doesn't.
1: It's just so different. Like, we don't even get a close-up of his body (coughs) to um, really kind of drive home that he's died. Like, he doesn't even get that grace. He gets it like, yeah, this could have happened to anyone. Like, this is just another cartel killing.
0: He gets the extra treatment, basically. Yeah. And I like it. I like it for the reasons. I like it. I don't like it dislike it for the same reason is that it's different I do like it because it moves the film on and you've had they've had their running battles and normally like you say there's normally a a showdown or some sort of final Yeah. but just because it, I mean in reality it play, it does play really well the, the tone of the rest of the film because it's ruthless efficiency I that's think what it, so, Bardem's character is about
1: I think it's something, and we've referred to it with other films, where first watch you can be annoyed, and second time around, I think you perhaps appreciate it more.
0: That's probably well, yeah, yeah, it's probably true. I couldn't tell you how I felt about that the th- the first time round. I have to how I felt about it the first time round because I honestly don't remember. No. I'd actually forgotten that was the way it played out until I rewatched
1: it. Yeah, I, th- I think it's you've still got a certain level of shock. It's like when the lift doors open at the end of The Departed. Like, you know it's coming, but it's still just a shocking. But Mm. you don't perhaps have the same... Well, you can feel more than the anger that you felt in the moment, and you can go, okay, that's pretty cool, or I can see why they did this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Now, the end. Do you see any reason it should be debated as to whether he kills Llewellyn's wife, because it's fairly clear-cut for me.
0: Which way do you go on it? Because I do understand the debate.
1: I'm, I'm certain he killed it. I think they show us enough in the film about his kind of cleanliness, and he doesn't like the blood on him or anything. And I think that's why they quite purposely show you him wiping his feet once he leaves the house. Because he does <laughs> the same after he kills the uh, cartel guys.
0: He does, he does indeed.
1: Um.
0: Okay, well you and I I took it as though she was still alive
1: and kicking. I thought he gives you enough there because you also see
0: Yeah he's let... not, I don't read it. I don't read into these things like you
1: do. Well I, I just mean so the motel nobody, has... no, body, no murder. Well Always. the gas sta- the gas station he says he got the coin flip right, he's gonna let him live. When mm. it comes to her, he says Look I gave my word, I'm a man of my word. I don't think he's walking out of that house and letting her survive. He showed nothing in the film previously to suggest that he that he would, with everything he says in that scene. And I, I don't think you show the wiping of the feet unless that is the case. Okay, fair enough. They have a great back and forth there when she says you don't have to do this and he laughs and he's like, everyone says that. Everyone says you don't have to do this. She says, well, yeah, but you don't. He is, says, I'm a man of my is, word.
0: She is right at that point. He doesn't really have to
1: do it. He, he doesn't, but in his mind, he's given his word. And He told him, you give me the money. I'm not going to spare you, but I'm going to spare her. Mm. And so... That yeah, it's for me, I couldn't be is, told anything that would convince <laughs> me otherwise. Flips the
0: coin in that scene. So what you're saying is that you you buy into the argument, about him being fake. Because then on that basis, if that's the word that you're taking, if she were to flip the coin and get the coin toss right, you think he would he ices her anyway, don't know, Yeah, yeah I do. Okay, but because that's a different take as well.
1: Yeah, and I also think that she knows that and I think she's right because she's kind of saying you're going to do it anyway. I'm not giving you the satisfaction of playing this little game.
0: Right? Uh, yeah, it's, it's
1: funny. That, she's, she's, she's effectively saying if you want to play- do it, I'm not giving you the cop-out. Refusing to
0: play his game is still playing, in, in this case, he's actually still playing that game. Once you acknowledge it, once you acknowledge that it's in the room, you're, you're playing that game basically. But
1: he's visibly annoyed at the fact that she won't do it yes yeah yes yeah and so she's not giving him that last bit of satisfaction before mm. he takes her out yeah fair enough uh it's, it's weird that i like her because i hated her in boardwalk empire
0: i haven't seen enough of it mate
1: uh yeah every scene she's in she just irritated the hell out of me um, Who in Boardwalk empire? she oh, i forget her name but she's like the main character Bad that I've bad I forgot her name, to be honest.
0: No, I've um, not seen enough, but I've watched very, very little of Bobo Kemp. i Kelly McDonald.
1: Yeah, she plays uh, Margaret Thompson. Margaret, fair enough. Her her accent is very impressive, particularly in this film. But the fact that she's Scottish she is yeah, that is like some of the flack we've given people in the last couple of weeks. For her to just be rolling like that, very impressive.
0: It's a very good American accent.
1: Yeah. And then the actual end of the film, the monologue we get with Tommy Lee Jones, him talking about the dream of his dad getting the wood for the fire, effectively does sum up the title, doesn't it? He's... The way I take it is... He has all of these comforts in his dream. He knows, and I think he says at the end of the day, he always knows that he can get home, he can go knock on his dad's door and the fireplace is going to be there and he can sit in the warmth and feel safe. And then he wakes up from that dream and he's in this world where people are killed by the cartel and you are killed with a cattle gun. And that's why he realises He's moved past that. This this isn't an era that is for him anymore.
0: No. Not the country for, oh. for all
1: an And then it just yeah. kind of encapsulates it uh, very nicely. Yeah, I suppose he is the titular
0: old, old old man, isn't he?
1: Yeah. First word and the last word. Um what's the best scene of the film for you? I
0: do a lot of our gas station scene, man.
1: Yeah, is is it close to the motel and the gas station, it either or f- for me, I, I think, I think, I think the re-watch. motel scene's better. But if I'm going to go and rewatch a scene,
0: if I was going to go and rewatch one, I'd go and watch the gas, the, the petrol station.
1: Yeah, I think um, at the end of the bracket when we do the most rewatchable scene, I think that's going to be a, a, a real contender there.
0: I would suggest we should just do an episode on that because we will have watched 120. Episodes.
1: <laughs> yeah I mean we'll be doing it just with what makes the final cup so it'll still be uh, still be 64 films to be fair um, 64
0: scenes we could do it we could do two episodes on that to be honest. yeah uh, we yeah could do the last last scene standard
1: yeah yeah that's what we do then in the last uh yeah last one standard um anything more to say about this one before we move on to Mr nice? No, not really. Okay, so. I didn't set
0: out to be a dope dealer. I'd just imported enough Colombian marijuana to get every inhabitant of the British Isles stolen.
1: (laughs) Mr. Nice, the life story of Howard Marks, an elite British drug smuggler. What do you think the critics think of this? Uh, no good. No bueno. Can can you tell me how to pronounce the main actor's name, So I'm not butchering? It? Is it Iphans or Iphans? Iphans.
0: Iphans, OK. Iffans. Uh,
1: Iphans. Iphans does a credible job of showing us Marx move from one lucrative situation to another, but the movie suffers from the usual clichés and tropes of its genre. It's frequently funny, it's affable and charming, in that way that all the best british comedies always are and it's a retelling of a story quite remarkable in that someone undertook it and lived to tell the tale part of the problem with mr nice is that the endless sequences of marks and company moving packing hiding or hiding drugs leads to a muddled disconnected narrative that lacks emotional impact
0: Sorry. That, the guy was a non-violent drug dealer. He was a non-violent drug smuggler. Sorry, his whole thing was he didn't want to be involved in the violence of that world. Yeah. What else are you supposed to fucking show to show that he's a drug smuggler, other than him packing and moving drugs? Yeah. That, that I mean, awesome. We'll
1: talk about that in a second, because I, I do have a few thoughts. If An's looks 20 years too old for the part, and the problem with the movie is it seems so desperate to be made that it barely cares that he spends half of his time miscast. Finally, Ifans captures the character's charisma and cool, and it's fun to ride shotgun with him, but the script isn't pointed enough to drill beneath the surface. So, I know you like the film. At what level do you like the film, so I can kind of get an understanding of where we're at? I
0: like it. I like the book. I like the film. The book's very, very good, must be said.
1: So my my first thought, actually, whilst watching the film was, I I bet I would enjoy the book a lot more than this.
0: The book's very, very good. Um, It is. But I do like the film.
1: I imagine there was a lot that perhaps couldn't make the film from the book.
0: Yes, there is, but not... Most of the major stuff's in there. There's some fun stuff that's in the book that's not in that's not in
1: um yeah so i i know with um wolf of wall street and we've covered some of it and belfort's done countless interviews saying look there was some really seedy shit here that we actually just couldn't put on film yeah and i, I thought that could be similar to this and they kind of allude to it at the start with just everyone getting high and getting with each other effectively
0: yeah i mean a lot of the book does focus a lot on his days as a drug smuggler rather than his days as a student as well. We book yeah. when, or when he moves, in, moves up in the world, should we say. I,
1: I do agree with the review that he does look about 20, to, 20 years too old for the part, particularly at the start of it. Um,
0: yes, when
1: he's in... when he's, In black and white doesn't change that.
0: <laughs> no, no, when he's at uni, but it happened. I mean, it happened he moved fairly quickly so it'd be i think you have to um have him for it all because imagine the contrast yeah. if that's some young 18 year old looking lad and then in the next scene he's supposed to be two years older and then it's re yeah
1: that's paper round.
0: yeah they, yeah it's like and he's supposed to be living this nice easy life knocking out a bit of weed to yeah, his posh but... mates
1: the trivia I read was that um, Ifans had actually become good friends with Howard Marks several years before the film was even made and Marks effectively just promised him that if a movie was ever made about his life then Ifans would play the part They
0: might have made that promise 10 years before though and then the miscast is not as
1: not enough. Yeah, well, this is what I mean, so I don't know how much that played into it, I don't know what level of influence Marks had on the film being made, I don't right. know if that's just a good story they tell but It would explain a lot, and I'm not saying he does a bad job in this, I think he conveys the part of, well, Howard Marks very well from what I know. Um, Yeah, he just does look old, as we said.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a fair, it is a fair, it's a fair point to make, because he isn't supposed to be, for most of it, until he goes to jail in America and he makes the point in the film, he does it obviously with his voiceover. He says, I'll be X amount of years age by the time I'm re- released. I'll have yeah. no, no, that, no, no, the other. That's when it sort of towards the end, it obviously kicks him and it's probably right around. Cause he has had a fucking tough time with it by then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was some criticism leveled at, uh, Chloe Savini for the quality of her English accent. Um, she says that she rehearsed so diligently to perfect the accent using tapes and voice coaches effectively got on set and the director just insisted on going off script and improvising so just every all the work that she'd put in (laughs) just was for nothing because she'd learnt like the words for her script and perfected that down to a T. and then you're asked to improvise with slang and just things that yeah in the moment you know don't have the same level of thought in
0: no of course not no it's the same as the basis of doing any isn't that you like people say you pick a key phrase that you can do and you build off that. And if she's learning key phrases for the script and then suddenly that's not in it, you sort of knocking yourself back a couple of pegs.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's weird. So the only knowledge I had of Mr. Nice before this is that it's referenced constantly in Peep Show and it's just one where they mock Jeremy because it's the only book that he's ever read and every time they mention books he says, Why can't it just be Mr. Nice? I wish all books were like Mr. Nice. So that was all I knew about it. So I just knew it was about drugs. Um I will say, and it's something you said, well what more can they do? But you do effectively lose a lot of kind of what you tune in for with this kind of film <laughs> when you then aren't able to show a lot of it because that he didn't go down that path.
0: Well, yeah, no, of course, but that, like, do, would you rather it be have? Would you rather it stick closer to the truth, or would you rather it be? No,
1: I agree, but that's why I think with the with cartels maybe, that didn't happen. Maybe, maybe it was a a good story to tell, but it wasn't the best story to put on film because you do have that you do have that issue.
0: Maybe, maybe.
1: And they didn't go the way of pain and gain, and just completely embellishing things. Like no, 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 fair play. Basically, like, um, I thought the film was okay, um, and I didn't have any real expectation going in. I texted you last night, and I thought up to really the point where you have the kind of IRA references. Was when I thought, okay, yeah, this this is good. And then after that, I thought. So that character I thought was almost like a caricature.
0: So the interesting point about that is. They don't know if he's real or not.
1: Well, that, that would make a lot of sense because i thought it originally and then you've got the the scene when he's pulling out the machine gun and he's taking out the police and it's like come on
0: they didn't know so because obviously it comes about and obviously he's he, he, he puts it out and he's like no it's not nothing to do with the ira it was me because the ira depending on who you ask had a had an anti-drug stance or still take an anti-drug stance for those that are still there, um, but again, it depends where you live and who you ask that question to. Um, so there's there's that statement, and then they couldn't find who it was supposed to be based on. Okay, they, they didn't know who it was supposed to be based on, so they don't know if the, the the point around it is is that the character of Jim McCann, yeah, as he's called, they don't know whether it was. A real person, or whether it was something that was is a half truth that goes into into the book.
1: Yeah, it makes it's, sense.
0: It's the luxury of writing about uh, criminal enterprises. You can just put shit like that in there because yeah, you get away with it for ten years and you don't get caught for that that part of it. You just forget yeah, what happened.
1: It it is also spinny because he's so recognizable as Professor Lupin in the Harry Potter films.
0: That's so disrespectful.
1: Well, that's what he's incredibly recognisable for. If you look at his IMDb like that, that's like...
0: David Feulis is a phenomenal actor.
1: I'm not saying he isn't.
0: Oh, shit, that's disrespectful.
1: I'm just telling you, that's what he's incredibly recognisable as.
0: Again. I find that disrespectful. So, like saying Gary Oldman is recognisable as serious Black.
1: Let's not compare Gary Oldman and... Your boy,
0: yeah. Is it not the same premise?
1: No. They're
0: in the same number of films, are they not?
1: I mean, they're in the same number of films, but they're not in the same level of films.
0: No, no, I mean the same level of Harry Potter films as well, to be
1: recognised before. Yeah, but when you see a guy far more often than you perhaps. See him differently. He also doesn't look as much like Gary Oldman in Harry Potter.
0: Oh no, that's a long hair for you.
1: Yeah. I'm just telling you, it was it was a weird one to see, and because I didn't like the character anyway, it was I love
0: Jim McDonald.
1: It was it was throwing me off. I think an issue with the film, and this is what they're working with, so it's not even really as a slant on that, is traditionally if you were going to do this film and even more so when you've got the angle of like, there's no violence at the end, there would be some kind of kind of moral recognition. Okay. What I did was wrong. I've changed for the better. I'm going to change my life. And that would be how the film ends. But he isn't really a different guy from when the film starts to when the film ends.
0: No, and I'm glad they didn't go down that route because he never he'd Like no, Howard Marks never apologized for it.
1: No, but that's what I mean. So it's kind of so again, you're not really getting anything of what you signed up for. It's a strange one, and I think
0: I again I appreciate that they didn't do it because they stuck to the source material. He did. He didn't apologize for it.
1: Do you think it goes against it? And this could apply to any any film like this that it's weed they're dealing in
0: In what sense mate?
1: Like it doesn't feel like it carries the same level of sincerity in what you're doing as if you were doing a drug film usually like if it's a mob film it's probably going to be coke or it's going to be heroin or it's going to be something like that there's such a Thing with weed and I know they do make it throughout the film like even if I don't agree whether this should be legal or not it just feels a a, a bit more low-key like you're not seeing the heights and so you are already kind of somewhere down the the lower end of the high stakes
0: yeah but like again that that's the whole point that, that that is the whole point. That's why he never apologised and
1: things like that. No oh, no! So I'm saying, is so this just something I don't, I don't, that, when I you don't. look at the kind of pantheon <laughs> of drug films, would that not go against it?
0: No, not at all. No, I don't. No, I I think if anything is to its, its to its benefit, because the whole point was and the reason he didn't apologise was he. I never sold coke. I never sold heroin. I sold weed, and that was. That was our. There's even a bit in the film. Obviously, I don't. So yeah, that's why
1: I said. Yeah, they reference it a few times.
0: But his mum asked him, and so none of them nice him. She's like, "No, no, it's just, just marijuana." And then Joe, his mum and his mum and dad apparently come to terms to it, come to terms with it. whatever sort of how true really is, I can't, can't mind from the book. But again, that, that's sort of that's what it was. That's who he. That's who he was. That's why. Because his whole point was he didn't want any of the violence. He knew. He saw. What he saw, or he experienced, heard, whatever it was about the violence in in the world of dealing and Oak, and he wanted no part of it. He wanted to be, if such a thing exists, because there's still expo- exploitation in many places in that chain. But he wanted to be a gentleman drug smuggler.
1: Yeah, it's it's weird the the mood you have for a lot of the film, uh, and then the prison scene with him having his teeth extracted, rough he feels just so out of nowhere. And that's why I thought we were going to get the kind of um, like epiphany, and I thought that's what we were doing. Like I thought that was the rock bottom, and because it, it just feels so like out of character for the rest of the film.
0: See that even even in the book and in the film, that's not his rock bottom. The illness is something he's sort of right. He's not happy about it, but he rides his rock bottom is that his life his lifestyle is gone. Yeah, that he's how he's not going to have his money. He's not going to see his his kids. And, and and so on. So it's not the illness. It is his his issue with it is that essentially that the money and the the, the money then and the, the sort of luxuries that that brought are no longer are no longer his. Yeah.
1: It's 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 weird because um I'm, I'm other putting... thing,
0: sorry I was going to say the other thing about um Joe you talk about the rock the bottom and number one he was doesn't a very apologist he did never apologise but once he wrote this and he wrote the other book. Can't remember the other one. He wrote another book as well. I think he wrote another two actually. Okay. Um, he gave lectures and stuff. He came back. He did well, There wasn't the same money he was making before when he was dealing drugs or, or smuggling drugs, rather. Um, but he made he made money again from this, which is why I think
1: yeah.
0: it would be they it, it would be a mistake for it to become apologetic.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. For him to become an apologist at the end of the film. Because the whole point of him writing the book was basically he was, he was fucking brassic and he was after yeah. he was looking to make some money. He's one of the reasons why um the, he's part of. There are a few others, there are quite a few others, but it's why uh, the laws in the UK changed ever so slightly about um making money from criminal exploits.
1: Um, it so it, it sounds a lot of things I'm pointing out. Like I thought it was the worst film in the world when it. Well, I thought the film was all right. I didn't want to turn it off, etc. Some, something I thought that perhaps they could have done differently, and again, you can tell me if there's a reason for that, is I didn't feel they made the most of the high. So to really hammer home the rock bottom moments, so we see that he's moved out of the country, he's got a nice house. But Do you think he even a scene with maybe another lavish purchase, this or that, and really hammer home, like this guy... He's living a life he could never have dreamed of, and then, when you get to the rock bottom of I can't live this life anymore, because he's maintaining a very good life, hmm. and then he has the monologue where he says, "I was running this company, but it wasn't enough. I was bored." Yeah. Yes, yeah,
0: because he wants. But to, then the
1: but life he's trying to get back to isn't that much different to what he was bored with, so it's a strange one.
0: It's how you fill your time not necessarily the quality of but it's just he as he says he's making decent money out of the company but it's just some people are just just find what they're good at
1: yeah i think it's um as i said, I think i was just kind of comparing lived. it to what i would expect in that situation and if when he when lived if,
0: that lavish, he lived a fairly lavish lifestyle for
1: quite a long that's time. what i mean i just feel that could have been hammered home more i think if if we were directing it or if we were doing it to create maybe the ultimate drug film or whatever, you'd probably have some kind of short montage of him chucking money about, of him buying a car, of him buying something that's too expensive, even if it's just he gives money to his wife and says, "Look," she says, can I go shopping? Go and get yourself what you want. And he pulls out like a wad of cash. I thought they just could have hammered that home more because it's hard to gauge just how rich he was. Fair enough.
0: I always thought, uh, I don't know, I always thought it was done to sh- like, because it passes over quite a fair period of time. That's why, and I don't know if, I don't know. Like Scarface, you've got, and you have the montage. So Scarface doesn't take place over that, that long a period of time. Compared no. to, so I understand that because it's such a sharp rise. Whereas this is, far, is fairly, was fairly more gradual.
1: Yeah, but part of it is also... It, it the reason you show the start of the film and the rise is so you get the payoff of the high before you then experience the fall. And it felt like a good life. It didn't feel like the, the high, the real high. There we go. The, 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 (laughs) something that made me laugh and I don't know if this was, um, Intentional because you see it sometimes where it's like subversively mocking the other films that do it. When there's a montage of somewhat when he first starts doing the smuggling and they have him going by car, and then there's a point where he says and going by sea, and it is the worst green screen you're ever going to see when he's on kind of the edge of the ship with the waves crashing and it's only on for about three seconds yeah it's, it's so bad
0: yeah i mean it was done like her... something
1: out of like a channel four like comedy
0: well yeah i mean it was it was done i mean the film wasn't exactly big budget
1: mate no no but i mean so they could easily have just said by sea and carried on with the montage in, in the different cars i thought the fact that it looked so rough maybe was just going in with the comedy of the film, which ultimately it is a, it's a comedy for the most part. Mm, fair enough. What's your favourite scene of the film?
0: Uh, I do love Jim McCann on the farm.
1: One, just those kind, those collection of scenes, or
0: yeah, I do, I really do. Um,
1: favourite scene
0: don't know because there's come come quite long scenes in this mind. um don't know if i really have one mate to be honest which i know is not a great great answer this i do like the beginning as he walks onto the stage
1: yeah um, i enjoyed the after I've watched done about the character the kneecapping scene where he's talking him through you might want to take your trousers down yeah or right, I do me first is he going to keep whinging like this
0: yeah, I did, did enjoy that. I do enjoy that. I do just enjoy
1: the character in in, in all, to be honest. Yeah, so, yeah, it's weird. it's one of them where I didn't know what to expect, so I don't really have anything. So I was kind of just whole, I just do it was a drug film. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure this came out around the same time as Blow, because a lot of the reviews that I was seeing were comparing the two.
0: No, this came out about nine years after.
1: Did it? Oh, okay, so what...
0: In 2001.
1: A lot of the reviews were comparing the two, so... I, I, ad-
0: that. I understand the comparisons. The The okay. two lives lived by the, the guys are fairly similar.
1: We've got that coming up further down.
0: Ever seen it before? Uh, no, no. No, it's nice. It's, I like it. I think you'll like it more than you like this, but... That's more for you than the film.
1: All right, is there anything else you want to add or we can go into the judging?
0: No, nothing more from me, my friend.
1: All right, let me just load that up. Uh, 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 uh. Just trying to find which uh, section we had this in. I think we had his drama you know.
0: Mm,
1: fair. Fits that more than a gangster.
0: Yes, it does. Yeah.
1: Which film did you prefer?
0: uh No Country for Old Men.
1: And which do you think is more rewatchable? Mr. Nice. I think No Country for Old Men. Fair enough. Um. What do you think is the best moment slash scene across the two films?
0: petrol station
1: soon. I'm inclined to agree with you. Best quote?
0: Something, one of the, anything from Sugar, Sh- Sh-
1: basically. It says, uh, you've been risking it all your whole, you've been uh, pushing it all your whole life. Tommy Lee Jones has got a lot in his monologues which he claims he did all of those in one take by the way mm-hmm. that's why he calls himself one take Tommy um,
0: you never know what wor- what worse luck your bad luck has saved you from
1: yeah I like that
0: um, I do like that it must be said
1: you've been putting it up your whole life was the quote I was uh, doing and as I said I did enjoy the uh you don't have to do this. People always say that.
0: Yes, I do. Do enjoy that as well.
1: Yeah, there's just so much gold here. Just how dangerous is it compared to what the bubonic plague?
0: I we hate even it, talk about
1: I, those weird two scenes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hate it, but I love it. But the use of the word "friender," I don't, I don't know why. I don't like it, but I do like it. Yeah.
1: I suppose it would have been a bit weird if he called him buddy or something.
0: I know, but I just, I don't know. What's the, what's, what's the most you've ever lost on a coin toss?
1: Yeah, that's very good.
0: Very menacing.
1: Were a lot of people risking things on a coin toss back then?
0: In a poem by Richard Kipling, willing to risk it all on a game of pitch and toss.
1: Who do you think is the MVP across both films?
0: Anton Schiger.
1: Yeah, I mean that's something that we we hadn't referenced. Him him living to tell the tale, as far as we know. Exactly.
0: And he gets away in that auto accident.
1: Yeah, broken arm.
0: Offers offers your man what what would it take for the shirt and then he's away?
1: Yeah. I think that's again something adds to the film, doesn't it? Good doesn't always win. Sometimes the bad guy is gonna get away.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: He wipes out what? Twenty there's a death toll of twenty two in the film. I don't know how many um Llewellyn it, it accounts for, but it's a pretty uh good run. So I dread to think what he goes on to do after when he's got more of a taste for it.
0: Yeah, fair.
1: Yeah, very good. Seeing him walk away, um yeah, very good. Um best side character.
0: Jim McCann.
1: It's the guy behind the uh till for me in the gas station.
0: Okay.
1: Love that guy. Really glad he didn't die as well. I was uh I was there right there with him. Which film has better character development?
0: I would say, Mister Nice.
1: I'm going no country there.
0: Broader the point of, I mean, they 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 run very similar lines. Anton Struga realizes nothing.
1: You don't get Bell does.
0: Uh, I mean, he realizes quite early on that his life isn't that this game meant for him anymore. You just happen to see it come to fruition.
1: I didn't think he developed much. I thought he was effectively the same guy with more money for the whole film.
0: Well, that's so be it.
1: Um, most dramatic scene?
0: Yes, yeah, petrol station.
1: Motel for me there. Okay. Best soundtrack?
0: Well, Mr. Nice by default. <laughs>
1: um, Originality?
0: No Country for old man.
1: Uh, Bigger impact. I think that one speaks for itself. Best opening scene?
0: No country fraud, man.
1: Best ending?
0: Uh, Mr. Nice.
1: I'm the opposite. Fair enough. And best chemistry?
0: Mr. Nice. Okay. I don't... I think it, it has to be. Why? Well, what what relationship would you refer to in No Country for Old Man?
1: I think just really? the the way they bounce off each other. I would say
0: I don't. They don't. I don't think they share enough. of Some of the characters don't share enough of the screen mates, to be
1: You never get all three on at the same time, but
0: no, I don't think they share enough of the screen mates, to be honest to make that argument. But your own, is your opinion.
1: Well, I think the relationships we do see, I believed more in No Country for Old Men. Fair enough. Um, So I think that might be the same score as last week. No? 8-1. I think the last one was 11-1 that we did. So Um, No Country for Old Men goes through to the next round. Next week, we have the Battle of the Football Hooligans, and it is Green Street up against Football Factory. What else are you going to do on a Thursday, Keenan?
0: Poor from you, I'll be honest.
1: Thank you again for listening to another edition of Movie Madness. We'll be back next week. Goodbye.